Welcome to Tilth Talk Radio. Today we're going to be talking about where all our commodities go after they are sold. In our spotlight, we're going to take a look at some robo-pest control. Egg History Minute, we'll talk about robotic milkers. And we'll wrap things up with some cool beans. That's corny with some current events. With me today are Bill Schaumburg. Hey, guys. Max Garvey. What's up, everybody? Todd Schaumburg. Hey to all the Tilties out there. And I'm Matt Brueger, all with Tilth Agronomy. So today, we are round one done of the draft. And well... The NFL draft. The Packers. Yeah, yes, the, the NFL draft. Yeah, we league. did our corn league was a couple few weeks ago. Yes. If you want to go oh. back and listen to a, the most important draft of April, that that happened already. So this is <laughs> the second most important draft of April going on now. Third WNBA draft happened already. No, oh, did it too. Okay. So at the end of round one, well, all we can say is that there's some consistency, I guess, to the Packers strategy. Down to Georgia, he was looking for a soul to steal. He was in a bind because he was way behind. He was willing they to just got to change the color of the G on the helmet. It's very easy. Yeah. It's two years, first round picks, three gentlemen drafted by Goody from Georgia. Who was last year's Georgia guys? Stokes was Georgia. Okay. Yeah, three in a row. So, yeah. What do you think, Most. guys? You happy with them? Didn't, I, didn't get yeah. your fancy car stereo. We'll see what wide happens. receiver that y'all wanted. Max? No, but we got the... We didn't get the car stereo, but we got, like, some new seat covers and some nice... Uh, damn good transmission. Damn good transmission. There you go. That's a good way to put it. No, I I really like the picks. We didn't have the... Uh, everybody wanted a wide receiver. They Guess what? They were all gone by the time we picked. So, you know what we did instead? Pick two really good defensive players that have played together before, and I, I think they're going to be hammers. On like, you know, number they were the number two defense in the nation, not the number one. We who was all, number we one? We all know who that is. Let's go. But their defense was good. Yeah. Anyway, we picked two really good guys, and I think it's pretty. It'll be pretty crazy to put, you know, uh, to put somebody next to Kenny Clark. And he's already a game record. Put another game record next to him, and put a game record next to Devondre Campbell. I, it's gonna get really tough. Think about the the Tampa Bay defense with those two guys in the middle. They had, and yeah. and now we got a All Pro, you know, in Campbell, like you said. And then you put this guy next to him. I've been waiting for an inside linebacker for ten years. It's just it's a, such a weird feeling because we have you know Campbell is that good that right. you're like we brought him back and we got rid. Why do we know the other one? Yeah, I I just draft I struggle with because how do you get excited for it? You no all these after all the picks. Oh, this is the best pick ever, worst pick, and nobody knows how these guys are going to turn out. No, so to even make comments of if some team did something stupid or smart by trading up. I, you don't know. You it's just, all the guy in the fit, right? I mean, you got to have the right guy with the right fit and hope it works. Yeah. I was listening to a radio show coming in, and they went through the last five years of first-round wide receivers, and they figured it was a 40% hit. Yeah, I believe that. Oh, yeah. I mean, just look at any of these documentaries, any of the, like the whole Brady thing, like how many quarterbacks went before him and all right. yeah, and how many of them are in the league. Or, I mean, even at any point during his career, 
one or two. I mean, most of them weren't even there the next year. It just feels like the Packers, I hope deep down they have a plan for a, another pass catcher for Rodgers because it just does. It feels like they must, or I, I don't know why, but it, you just go back to the Jordan Love pick. And it's like they moved up to get him. Why can't you move up to get a wide receiver now? Right. Like, what, you just got this feeling of, like, come on, just get somebody yeah. that's. Like, why did you feel decent, you needed like, to give up capital to get Love, but you didn't need to feel. You didn't feel like you needed to give up capital last night to go get a Lave or go get just get somebody. Yeah, just had a weird. Just that part of it gets frustrating. Just very frustrating. We're a good team. We're later picks. Maybe these guys will be really good on special teams if they. Oh, we need defense. that. No, we need that badly. So yeah, I, I think they're fine picks, but I just I really hope they do have a plan to get a, another wide receiver that isn't just some third rounder like Amari Rogers. That's kind of meh. So. And in that way too, Bill. They had two first round picks. If it's a forty percent hit rate, right? There you go. There's like, one of them. Yeah, hit, yeah. Right? Use both your picks for that, and and you're good. But, but I think they remember like the playoff game against the Niners. It was third and eight, and the Forty ers gave the ball to Samuel, and he got eleven, and the game was over. Like we weren't a good run defense last year. It probably won't be a problem we, this year. We weren't a bad defense overall, right. but we were a bad run defense, and we were a terrible run defense on third down. Right, like we were awful on third Do, down. You guys remember, like early in the season, when they said how many consecutive third downs they were giving up? It was like, or even like red zone. Remember that yep. one? We were getting in the red zone. And it was like a hundred percent win rate for the other team. So well, the Packers just need to get Debo now, and then we'll be fine. Yeah, I, and I would agree. Like. Defense wins championships. Let's keep shoring that up. That's what was the best available at when we picked. So it, it just seemed like a lot of all of a sudden there was just a run on wide receivers and they were gone. And we were still like four picks later. So And you got to hope that there's a run on something you don't need, like quarterbacks or D. Right. You know. No, I thought this year with it being a deep wide receiver draft class, that would actually help us. But nobody took court, the quarterbacks didn't go till late, and yeah, then just one was picked. Pittsburgh, yeah. No running backs were picked at all. Right. So right. how how are you going to predict that? Well, it was deep, but everybody that then they went and got all those guys because they were good. And the quarterback that was picked wasn't the one that was supposed to be picked. Like he was not. He was supposed to be a second or third round guy because he's a polished quarterback. And they were saying since none of the quarterbacks are that good, you got to pick the guys with the most upside first. And the Raiders picked that. I forget his name, but the Raiders picked a guy too, I think. A quarterback. I don't think the Raiders had a pick. The Raiders didn't have a pick last night. They, oh, then I saw something yeah, wrong. Then they I saw gave, something different. We got, the Raiders. We got their draft. Yeah, that was, that's where Devontae they, went. Because they had Ice Cube on last night. Yeah. And it was like, this is really awesome to have Ice Cube on when they don't have a pick. This is <laughs> Ice Cube. They also had Michael Buble on. That, why Michael Buble? He's a Seahawks fan. Oh, he's a well, huge, but, and he's in Vegas. So okay. that's why. Okay, sure. They had Chris no, Angel the, on too. I mean. Oh, yeah, and he got all three picks right that he put in a, a I had box. All, that, I had all three picks right. Like, it wasn't <laughs> no, that hard. No, I just thought that was great that he wrote him in this box. The coverage is just very interesting that they do, that they make this a full production. No, you're right. I missed it. So, no, he that guy. Malik, I think, was his name, right? Yeah. Malik something. Malik Willis. Yeah. He's For some gonna, reason, I thought I saw he He's going to get picked, like, Right away tonight, I think. Sure. I think, but I don't know. I think. And, and the Packers, I, I'll call it, they're going to get two pass catchers with their second-round picks. So they'll get a wide receiver and a tight end, and we'll be sitting there going, okay, they got something. 
still like waiting here on this Darren Waller thing about how we're <laughs> yeah, trade right. for him. Like what what's what's going on with that? What's what's up? We we have a good tight end. I think right? that's a dead stick now. I think it always was. All those right. you look at were just some bloggers sitting in their mom's basement saying what? we could go after these guys. Like they were they were probably trying, but they weren't close. That's honestly more of of what goes on now is all the mock drafts. Like, all mock drafts wow, if we worst. go to this situation, then so and so is going to go here. And okay, next just, year for the corn league, we're definitely doing mock drafts. Mock drafts. <laughs> okay. Too, so the month leading up to the yes. everyone has all to bring their mock fake drafts. drafts. Mock drafts are just the worst. Like, why is that? Like after two picks, they're just done. They're, it's just, it's a joke. I I liked last night. I saw a tweet that said. Oh, now I blanked on the first pick's name. The guy from Georgia, the first overall pick. It was it was supposed to be the Tavon Michigan Walker. Guy. There you go, Tavon Walker. Or Trayvon. Tra- Trayvon Walker. After the edge guys worked out at the combine, a mock draft came out that had Trayvon Walker number one overall, and we never looked back. And that Aiden Hutchinson, he was the number one overall pick two years ago. Right. We knew that we thought he was going to be the number one overall pick when he came out. And it's funny how some guy makes a mock draft and it just speaks it into existence. It it, like, you literally did. And Hutchinson might go one, and then Thibodeau go two. Well, he went six. Like, Thibodeau? Yeah. Well, the biggest thing with Thibodeau is that he's a, he's not, he's a renaissance man. He's not into, he doesn't love football. That was his sure, biggest yeah. knock. Sure. So he created his own, he had his own uh, cryptocurrency. Really? Yeah. Nice. But he didn't call it Thibodeau, which I didn't understand. <laughs> that was sweet. I've, it was treat. I think it was called. It was like J R E A T. I think it's supposed to be treat. I think, but anyway, sure. How much money you got in that? Uh none, none. Zero point zero dollars. And bigger news is the Bucks yeah. roll the Bulls. Roll the Bulls without Middleton. A gentleman's sleep, if you will. You called that again, Max. I believe. I probably did, but that wasn't what really do do? hard. That wasn't really hard to call. The Bucks were gonna. Beat the tar out of the Bulls. I mean, what about the Celtics? Ooh, um, well, Chris Middleton. I think it's going to be a little tougher. Uh, the Celtics are a good team, really good on defense. Uh, they got a lot of dog. Like the whole team is dog. They, they remind me of the Bucks a lot. Where we're just kind of that. Like we got Portis and Grayson Allen, who everybody hates. But, but Grace, us and I don't like, know if Grayson Allen. Grayson Allen is a dog, though. I I don't know. He's no. He's definitely not. Bobby Portis he's a is a dog. dog. Yeah. When we had PJ Tucker, maybe that that like our team last year. We'll see too, because if uh, Hill would get healthy here, which I don't know if that's going to happen or not, that would really help to have another point guard that's healthy. Um, but Drew Holiday's got to play better. He did not play well the first series. Defense is okay, but offense was non-existent. So we'll see. We'll Bucks, see. Bucks and six. <laughs> it. I hope so, but it. And I think they can win. It just it's do we got be the tight. home court on no. this one or not? No. Yeah, and that's we don't either. Yeah, which in Boston? On I don't Sunday. know if that matters. To which us. to be, I was to say for us, I actually think that won't hurt us as much. If it would have mattered, they would have played those last guys in that final game because that's what flipped the script. Is they lost that well, final game? But then we were worried because you'd have to play the Nets right away too. Right. Which that apparently that. wouldn't have been a problem. Well, yeah, they're awful. Yeah. But the I mean the the Bucks the last series they lost the only game they lost was at home. So right. I don't think it really matters right. that much at this point. but I think, too, those first two games, if you can win one of those, that just changes right. every, that whole mentality. It's not a series until the road team wins a game. Uh, yeah. 
I do have to say it still feels weird that it's basketball playoffs right now. <laughs> it feels weird to you, yeah. Because of the one, it's only the one season really, but the playoffs were way different last time. And just, yeah. yeah, it just feels. Now it's back to normal. It's right. It's where it should be, but it still feels weird. It, they they take so long. Though. No, doing things normal is weird. Yeah. Yep. The the NBA playoffs are terrible. How long they are? Like it's like three days between games. Well, was, it's like over two months long. Yeah, total. it's true. Right. Before yeah. They, yeah, it'll be forever. I I was talking with some extremely casual NBA fans at Easter because that's when the Bucks played their first game. Yeah. I think it was Easter Sunday, their first playoff game, mm-hmm. and I said, "Oh, we're gonna watch the Bucks." Or sorry, the Saturday before Easter. Um, we're gonna watch the Bucks night. They said, and they said, "Oh, when the playoffs are." I said, "This is the playoffs." No way, they don't win the championship until like June. And I'm like, "Yep, yeah, yeah." But there's three days between games. Yeah, it's a lot. They need their rest. Got to get some good sleep. There's no uh, load management days they can take in uh, in the playoffs, Max. Well, that's not. I don't know if that's entirely true because the Heat took load management the last last game of their first series. They definitely had guys that. They could have played, and they were like, ah, my ankle's kind of sore, but they didn't need them to play. Yeah. All right, you guys ready to talk some commodities? Let's do yeah. it. So where do the commodities go after we take them to the elevator? And that's what we're going to talk about this week. So, Bill, what do you got for us? Yeah, we we always talk about how to grow our crops and when to harvest and all that fun stuff. I guess maybe we could talk a little bit about what happens to them afterwards. So just want to preface all these numbers and facts that we give you today that you they're not exact. They're estimates to some degree, like percentages. So um, just remember that when you're thinking about it. But just wanted to give you a you know an overview or a generalization of where things where things go. So Going to talk about corn and soybeans and a little bit about wheat and give you a background on how much we produce, where does it go, what countries does it go to, because I think that's kind of cool to, to know about, and things of that nature. So let's uh, let's kick it off with corn here, obviously, is our, our beast, right, is our number one. It's all anybody wants to talk about, corn, corn, corn. <laughs> uh, so 2021, we produced about 15.1 billion, with a B, Matt. One billion dollars. Bushels. So we produce a lot of corn, right? Um, and it's pretty much 50-50 almost, uh, cattle feed and ethanol. So 45% of that goes to feed our cattle. 44 about is gets used for ethanol. And obviously some of that ethanol, the byproducts, go back into the cattle, cattle feed. feed. Cattle feed so part, that's sure. maybe skews the, blurs the lines a little bit there. And then about 10%, you know, we as humans... Consuming this is like globally is what we're talking about here. Do you know where it fits like a like a product use? Say for like soybeans later, be like soy ink or like commercial uses like that, where some of those for corn would fall. Yeah, I didn't go. I didn't dig that deep. I was hoping to get some time to dig that deep and to that go. fall under ethanol. I, I, I mean, that's why I wondered. Yeah, like, I mean, like liquor and that kind of stuff. Yeah, we I always mean, used to say you know one in four corn rows goes for ethanol, and then it kind of switched to one in three. Well, this would be up to like one in two almost. Yeah, yeah. Like, so like, like we are missing one percent here too. It's forty-five, forty-four, sure. ten. Some maybe it's. And, and you're right. Some of those are probably such like, like I do know when you know when COVID hit. Like all the hand sanitizers, they were doing a lot more corn-based corn, yeah. kind of 
ethanol alcohol. So, so these are 2021 corn. numbers. So these are updated with pandemic right. statistics. Uh, sure. Right. And, in it. And uh, there's kind of two different ways that it gets into the, like, the food stream. You have your wet millers that produce, like, the the dreaded high fructose corn syrup, like, that's in everything that everybody hates, right? <sighs> you know, corn starch, corn oil. You know, we use corn to make beverage alcohol. Um, and, you know, some industrial alcohols are used with corn and obviously fuel ethanol. And then there's dry millers that make, you know, corn flakes. Ooh. Corn tortillas. That are great. <clears throat> I do like a good bowl of frosted flakes. Corn checks. Ooh. Corn chips are my favorite. All yeah. Little Fritos. All day, yeah. Little Fritos action. Yep. So we got yep. that. Sometimes I'll take Doritos. Dur- Doritos and just like as I'm walking corn, just going to be like, this is <laughs> <how> you, <laughs> this established is your dominance. future. No, I don't, I'm not taunting it. I'm more encouraging it. Like someday you could be a Dorito. Go you like, could go in my bed. <laughs> yeah. Go strong so we can cover you in nacho cheese. <laughs> Look at your awesome future, right? So do you guys like the do you like the corn tortillas or the the wheat tortillas? Corn. Really? Not close, corn. It depends on what I'm eating them with. Yeah. I'm a yeah. I'm a big street taco guy now, so street taco you know, walking like the, taco? No 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 no. <laughs> no no. Street taco like the little tiny ones like the Oh yeah. Like this big and all it is is meat, onions, cilantro and lime. That's that's good stuff right there. You can get those in like uh, those food truck things, right? Yeah. A fresh corn tortilla is good. Like the boughten ones, typically not so much. Yeah, they're very rubbery. Very. Well, you gotta fry them. That's the that's the only thing. Like a regular flour tortilla, you just slap that sucker down and fill her up. But the corn tortillas, you gotta kind of put them. You know, a little oil in the pan, fry Ah, them a little bit. Sure. It kind of loosens them up, puffs them a little. That's, a, that's, that's the, the key trick. to success. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Taking a corn tortilla straight out of the fridge and trying to eat that. It falls apart, doesn't it? That's no bueno. Yeah, they're very yeah. very loose. Loosey-goosey. Yep. So, in, and of that 15 billion bushels, almost three of it is exported out. So, it's just gone. It's is gone. that counted? That's not counting those percentages then? I think it's in that percentage. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So... 2.7 is exported. That was, again, 2021. So, um, you know, kind of as far as, like, the world goes, United States obviously produces the most corn. Um, and then China, Brazil, Argentina, and then our friends in the Ukraine are kind of top five. So that's top five of countries that produce produce corn. Um, I was kind of interested in, like, where does our corn go, right? We we always talk about export markets and how that affects markets, our markets, because we yep. want more people to buy. Um, a couple of these kind of jumped out at me. Um, China is always going to be the top, right? Because they just have so many people to feed and, and they're on top of everybody's list. But Mexico kind of being number two is a little bit surprising to me and, and Japan being third. And then Colombia jumps in there with four. So, Mike, are, Mike, we, are we trading coffee, coffee beans? I have. I Colombia could, could be wrong. I don't know enough about trading in some of this, but I know some of these will buy. Like Colombia is just a work through country to get to China. Sometimes, like oh, some sure. of them buy it that way. So I don't know how 
because it does say destination. So, but that just seems um like you say just yeah, but but destination because we're getting rid of it and we wash our yeah. hands and we say yeah, what happens to there. it from here? Yeah. It's not right. really up to me. Right. Some of these com- countries are just brokers for grain. I right. Think. I and I again I don't know how that works, but yeah. And then you got South Korea five, Taiwan six. Canada number seven. I kind of thought they'd be higher because knowing really? that they oh. really don't produce that much, they don't. Sure, that that they would take more corn and we trade them. I for mean, canola. That we produce three hundred million tons of corn, and Canada's at thirteen. Wow, you know, so like, and my, if I had to guess, all that thirteen million tons is pretty pretty located right above north dakota <laughs> right. like you yeah. know what i'm saying like it, it's not like it's all of canada it's it's probably a pretty small portion because our friends that we've ran into at meetings in canada they talk about corn as a third dairy crop right i mean it's wheat and canola and soybeans you know yeah. but yeah corn is not hey, definitely not a lot of hay up there right spots grass yeah, there's areas with grass. Alfalfa. it's hay it's when still hay yeah. it's grass hay but it's, it's not hay. alfalfa so that's kind of the like I said the big picture on um you know where the corn goes um as far as value goes of corn um it kind of lines up too with with um with that so you got how much goes and then what the value of it is and and last year actually Mexico what we shipped to Mexico was the highest valued corn um followed by Japan China Colombia again so kind of the same the same uh, suspects, but apparently China doesn't want to pay as much per bushel. Well, that, you got to, yeah, you got twenty twenty when yeah. China was going through the. That's true. So that was just a different year. Different year. So they probably pop back up. I right, think, but still, you're normal. talking. So basically, it's two, no value in millions. So that's two. So Mexico had about two point six billion. Yeah, mm-hmm. from us, which is sort of unbelievable if you think about that. That's a lot of cash. That's a lot of pesos. Yeah. See, you know, and like you said, China then in 2021 would have been above that at at the three million, three billion range. So yeah, it's that is crazy to think of what just what kind of export that really is. Yeah, that's cool. So a lot of our corn goes east, right? South and east. I mean, there's not very many other places uh, to go, but. Just for reference, the two point six billion dollars would be fifty two point uh, fifty three billion pesos. Just so you know. <laughs> Thanks, Max. <laughs> is, is the exchange rate on pesos strong or, or it's point, it's point zero f- yeah, uh point zero four nine so like five cents in America is a peso. Like yeah. A peso is five cents. Five cents. Nickel nickel per peso. Anyway, sorry, you said a lot of pesos, and it got me thinking. I wonder how many pesos it really is. It's a lot of pesos. It's definitely a lot. So, anyway, then moving kind of on to soybeans, kind of the same scenario here. Obviously, it's way less bushels because it's way less acres and way less yield, right? We don't, I don't think we've ever yielded 200 bushel soybeans. I mean, someone has, but that's not an average. Uh, 2021. 4.44 4.44 billion bushels of soybeans produced. And this one is a bigger distribution as far as like a, it's skewed. Um, 75% is cattle feed, 
5% biofuel, which is, I think that's going to probably be an emerging market, right? Yeah, and, potentially an increase there with the airlines looking to switch right. completely to that. And then 20%. So we had, I believe, did I say 10% on corn? Yep. Yeah. And so now, double the human consumption. Right, so double their... Um, the largest producing soybean countries. Now we can't stake that claim anymore. Brazil jumped us at him a couple of years ago. And then that's us, Argentina, and China's in there. Well, when you can get several crops a year, yeah, it makes a big difference. Right. Yep. That helps when you're in a tropical climate. And I, at the field sizes in Brazil, and our, like it's yeah. unbelievable. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I, I mean, I think all those countries are just going to keep crushing us and in that kind of stuff. I mean, they just can grow beans there. It is crazy that like how much, how large the percentages in those top three countries and that like Argentina grows 51 million metric tons. And then the next number, that's number three. Number four is China at 18.1. Like it's, that's the, the top three are the top three and there's not a lot of question about it. Well, and think about the size of China and the land base they could use, but just how obviously it's not good producing Soil, right? Um, well, there's mountains. Yeah. There's a great wall. <laughs> great. Uh, it's blocking. There's a lot of different different issues across China. So, I mean, when you think about where China is in relation to, like, you know, Siberia, Mongolia, or above them, that's not... Siberia is not what you consider high-value <laughs> cropland. No. So, I mean, there's, there's areas that are... There's a reason this year, the saying is, send you to Siberia. Right. Yep. But it, like you said, Max, I mean, think about how much China buys and it produces a fifth of what we do. So it has to. There's no, they have no choice. If you ever want to see something pretty wild, look up a Chinese farming map and see like the, the huge dead zones in China where there's just nothing. Nothing. Yeah. I, but pick any country. U.S., you could do that. and Right. You could. But when you when you, you wonder got, why when you wonder why like hey why doesn't China produce more yeah look at the map it's ginormous yeah well and we we have you know areas of the U.S. that are desert or mountainous or right or other things too that are aren't big production but we have the infrastructure to do irrigation in areas I mean there's areas of the U.S. farms that probably wouldn't be farmed in other countries because of that infrastructure, but... And the other thing is the Chinese farm. Some of those areas are, you know, because like the ones we're looking at right now, you guys can't see, obviously, but they have diff- they have different crops. Well, they have some of those, like, this crop is grown here, this crop is grown there. The U.S., in every part of the U.S., there's some crop being grown somewhere, basically. There's huge sections of China that no matter what crop you choose, they're not growing it. They're not growing anything, so... Canada. Yeah. Right. Kind of the same way. A lot to the southern end and, you know, the further north you go in Canada, the less likely you are to have big agriculture or or anything. I really really saw Nova Scotia as a big corn production area. The Yukon. There's a part. Oh, that was crazy. You drive. It's called the Peace Area in Canada, but it's on the western side. And, like, you would... Like, you felt like you were far north already in what they were driving, and you drive, like, another two hours, and there was areas where you could base. It was basically almost like squatting on farmland. 
it was it was like unbelievable just to hear that like you could just basically go up there and pay like twenty dollars an acre in rent to zero like and just start farming it it was unreal it was and just getting equipment there was hard and then getting it back down was you know your crop back down but there yeah if we think about farming in like certain areas it's it is unbelievable to think how how they even got the infrastructure there and and to do that i mean even even thinking of the wheat on washington island just blows my mind <laughs> yeah that like I don't, we, we, popped, I don't know, we like, popped a tractor on the ferry and just, but like, a farm that has some friends up in canada and their farm like the area they're in the nearest like tractor dealer is very very far away so Kubota actually built like a shop near their farm that they use as like a hub in that area. And so they get the benefit of having like that ease of access. But before that, can you imagine like, oh, I got to go like six hours to go get my Parts. tractor fixed. Like six hour ride with six hours in a car. car. So yeah, you're thinking about it like hmm. see you in four days. Yeah. You need it, yeah. All you need is a new hydraulic hose. Like, I don't think you yeah. hours for it. You know, yeah. There's no way you drove your tractor anywhere. It was always either you had to go get the part, bring it back, or get a flatbed and move. Okay. There's not a, and six hours might be an exaggeration, but it was still it's very far away. Yeah, like right now, you can I can get to four dealers in 15 minutes from here, probably. I mean, for us, so I'm easily. Yeah, You're yeah. Talking, I mean, it's. Even if you had to go to another town. Oh, no. Like, you're not. You're, ooh, half hour. Shh, dang. I'm going to find time for that in my day. Or or you knew which dealer was in which town by the tractors that the farmers around the town own. Right. Yeah. So as far as soybeans, like, what countries buy our soybeans, I would imagine everyone can guess who number one is by a gigantic landslide um china obviously uh, mexico not pop- vietnam no oh i read that backwards sorry vietnam. um obviously you know mexico is next which a little bit surprising but if you think about corn and you know they're gonna buy you skipped the european union i'm looking at the wrong ch- different chart than you are matt oh That's okay why. Oh, you're this right. is so like, many charts. I know. I so many charts and graphs. It's this great by, for radio. This is by I was looking at, at value, not yes, uh, yes. destination. My bad. So, so number by bushels or metric tons. These are always in Mexico, then the EU. So, and it says EU twenty seven. So obviously, there's twenty seven, right? I imagine that's what they are at now. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And then uh, Egypt pops in at number four. So that's kind of cool. We got a lot of beans going that I wouldn't have guessed either. No. Some of these places you're saying is just as, like in my brain doesn't even make sense. Like how it, it's not. It's probably not about how much they actually use. It's about their inability to actually produce. Correct. It has like, to be right. You're right. That's 100 percent. Like look at corn going to Canada. They just they're better at making beans, wheat, canola. So hey, we'll trade you for this like, stuff we're good at making. Right. Which which is really neat that we have a market system that can do that 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 we're not stuck just eating well no i wouldn't be bad just being able to eat milk all the time again you know <laughs> eat cheese and milk all the time is, we had to pick I, in wisconsin what that, i do <laughs> yeah true 
But like Egypt probably only use it, doesn't even use a third of what China does, I bet, for soybeans in a year. But they probably grow zero, zero bushels. Beans, right. Yeah. There's no irrigation over there, right? They grow wheat in Egypt, right? Yeah. I don't know. That's like, a, that's like the big thing over there. Yeah. Anyway. And then Indonesia, Japan, Taiwan, that's kind of the, the end of it. But it, there's a big, like, China takes uh, 12 million metric tons, and then the rest of them are, like, four and less. So it's like, again, it's four times what everyone else does. Big jump there. And then so, as far as Matt, like you were talking a minute ago, dollar value, yeah, China. Then the U, then the EU plus plus the UK on this chart, and then Mexico, Egypt. So that that's kind of the same, but yeah, um, and it must be the adding of the UK that sure because the value. It was weird to me how the value would be different than the destination, but but you add the you, adding another value. country for some random reason. It blows me away. Is those numbers is when we looked at corn export was in that like three billion ish, and. Beans is at fourteen billion. Like that's unbelievable. Like just how we know we export a lot of beans. We know China uses a lot of beans for feeding hogs and you know all, all the stuff that that it does with beans, but that's just unbelievable how much different that is and how much you know, just how big that export market is. Yeah. Well, I mean two point seven billion bushels of corn to two point two billion bushels of Beans, yeah, you're, and beans being a higher, higher value, value. It's, it happens. And maybe that's a good way, too, of you're transporting a more dense commodity right. Right. in a way. Yep. I that, don't yep. know that corn versus beans are going more dense, but just you know, for the value of it, you're going to want to chip those rather than corn. Look, people need their tofurkey, Todd. Yeah. And they will pay anything to get that. Tofurky. <laughs> and then when we talk about food, like what is so all this food, all these beans go to China. What What is it made into? Um, and it's kind of broken out into unfermented and fermented. Um, so unfermented would be like Matt was talking about tofu, soy milk, which it still bothers me when you call it milk. Soy juice. Soy juice, which, which probably sounds weird to people and they won't buy soy juice, but they'll... By soy milk, right? I like the sauce. Edamame. And the sauce is a fermented. Okay. So we got kind of one or the other there. So so that's kind of run down on beans. Um, obviously, the distribution is a little bit different in some ways, but in some ways where we send it is pretty much the same as corn. And I think, Max, like you said, it's those countries' ability to pr- produce their own. Um, quickly here on wheat, too, um, Obviously, a big drop off because of acreage, but 2021, 1.65 billion, billion bushels. So, not close to corner soybeans, but that's still, still quite a bit. Um, you know, 20% is goes to cattle feed, a lot goes to humans, so 66%, and then. Kind of a mixed bag with the rest of it, um, seed and just industrial after that. So, um, obviously, there's a bit different distribution when we talk about winter wheat. Uh, the countries that produce the most wheat, China, India, which we haven't really talked about in India at all. Russia pops in there next, and then 
and we us we uh, United States follows them. Canada, France, Pakistan, and Ukraine. So Ukraine has made you know we've talked about how rich their soils are. They've made uh, a bunch of a top tens here. So um, and again, wheat's a little bit different because we have soft red wheat and hard red wheat. Um, the soft is what we produce here. Um, typically used for flatbreads, cakes, cookies, snack foods, crackers, and pastries. Um, they, it's grown in more humid environments, which obviously that we are humid, right? Not yet. Ugh. Eventually, though. That, that one warm Saturday, it, it was, was humid. humid. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was unbelievable. Last yeah. Saturday, right? Like, yes. Yeah. I almost like walked through the garage, and we had like a garage door open all day. And then one of the other access stores and literally almost f- fell on my butt because it was just uh, like it was soaking wet on the garage floor. It was that humid. It was it was unbelievable. I, it, it was sad to say, but like if it wasn't windy, like as cold as it's been and you feel sad, really it's like a moron saying it. But it was like it was almost too hot. Yeah, it was, it was it for was that time, like having just shut from, off your furnace. Right. Our kids else. got sunburned that day. Yeah. Bad. Like it I had was the AC on in the truck. I'm sorry. <laughs> No, it's, uh, it was so humid, like I couldn't. I tried to do the windows no, open. Well, even overnight, it stayed so warm into Sunday that it yeah, was like you never had a cool day. It was just too drastic, too fast. Like you know when you get an airplane humid. in like February or January and fly to Florida, and that like get off the plane, and you're like, whoa, you know, you just feel that difference. Like that's, that's the way it was. Those two days were just yes, they were. I, I just wonder what are like wheat and alfalfa felt because they just had to be like, oh, this is great, yeah. you know, and then and then cold again, and really cold again. Um, and the opposite, we talked about soft, so hard wheat. That's mainly used for flour because it's high in protein. Um, so hard, harder baked goods like um, rolls and buns, tortillas. We talked about already cereal, um, pizza crust. Like that, was, that was like a question. question. No, like I don't. Crust? I don't know. I don't know. I was like excited though, like pizza crust. Oh, it sounded more like a question. <laughs> said, like, no. do we use wheat no. in pizza yes, crust? Yes, we do. That wasn't a question. And that's grown not if you're gluten free, right? That's true. Cauliflower, I think, is the the big one now, isn't it? Right. They like mash up cauliflower into a crust. Sure. And and that <laughs> is <laughs> they have that silent heaving with smacks, <laughs> as I mentioned that. <laughs> so that's more the Great Plains when we think about where that is. So, yeah, that's a rundown on where things go, Matt. Where does it go once it leaves your bin? It goes everywhere. <clears throat> it actually and does. anywhere. It actually does. So yeah, interesting to think about where our exports go and how much we do really export when it comes to all these products. So now we'll move into our spotlight for today. So today we're looking at the future of pest control with Robo Pest Control, which has economic and environmental benefits. Autonomous pest control vehicles could become a valuable asset to farmers in the future as they create an opportunity for a new intelligence and way of making managing pests in your crop fields. Kansas State University's precision agriculture engineer, A.J. Sharda, says that small robotic vehicles could identify sites of infestation, 
decide if it's beyond a critical level or whether it should be sprayed. Currently not ready for farm use. Uh, they are still developing these products. And, uh, you know, we've seen a number of them, the little laser weed sprayers, or uh, laser weed killers, and um, this one sounds more like a sprayer and identifying pests as well as weeds. I thought it was cool. They talked about it actually could identify, like, levels. Thresholds. Yeah, yeah, thresholds and decide, oh, this is not at threshold. We can move along. But uh, essentially, yeah, the picture here, they've got a little unit on tracks with a number of sensors and other things hooked up to it. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll be cool to see where these go of, like, it's it's basically like the robot vacuums coming into agriculture and where that takes us because I, I don't know what you guys have seen with, like, robot vacuums and how many they have them, but, like, we just got one and it, it's it's kind of cool. Like, it actually see, I mean, you got to kind of clean up around it and then it gets stuck on stuff sometimes. You got to... Still watch it, but we have kind of a dumb one though. I don't, do, I don't really like. Do I'm, okay, I yes we we have one for Tilt Headquarters, which is really a dumb one, but it's been sweet. But I actually got one for like at home too, like oh, okay. to see if I like it. And like yeah, so far I, like they're they're helpful. I'll put it that way. So as much Does as your, as your wife and daughter's hair come become <laughs> oh, entwined def- around oh. the. But that okay, so that's one thing with these things too is like you can vacuum more often. So like you just send it around and yeah. just dump but it's Did you get the one where like you it knows I, its path? And yes, all that I stuff? got one yeah. where it maps out the, the area. Like if you got a small area you, you don't need that. Like Tilt World Headquarters, just it just thing bounces around and gets stuck on stuff. But it is amazing how much stuff you dump out of it. Like it's amazing. You don't think you're gross. that dirty yes. and then, yeah. It's it's way so, grosser. So instead of a Roomba, it's a Fieldba. Yes. So sooner or later, when these come to agriculture, it's going to be like annoying to have to go get them in the middle of a cornfield and oh. <laughs> like Fieldba has yeah. fallen into a hole. Yes. Like so. I, like I just wonder that part of like how you, blow out. <laughs> yeah. Hey, found found that washout. It's, it's right here, right here, guys. Come get me, please. Oh man, I just thought about what it's like when when the Roomba goes in the middle of the night and then starts running into doors and stuff. How annoying that is! Mm. I can't imagine. Like, it, it, okay, it, good thing these aren't ready for market yet. Get the bugs worked out of these yes. before you bring them. Well, in. and just oh. think of like how many you need in a field to do or on your farm. It could be like hundreds, or all you're spending your day is just going like rescuing robots, basically. So it, it's yeah. What happens if it's, it's a big good. rock? Just like stop. Just be done. Yeah. Better keep up on your rock picking. <laughs> All right, so yeah, the potential is there. We've seen a few different technologies, and this one uh, still in development, but could be something we see in the near future. Now we'll go into our Ag History Minute. Gotta love that banjo. All right, so in the same vein as our spotlight, we're going to talk about robot milkers. And in 1995, Laley introduced the first version of the Laley Astronaut Milking Robot. By 1997, they'd sold 100 machines. By 2010, Laley introduced the Laley Astronaut A4. The revolutionary iFlow concept further lowers threshold for cows to allow themselves to be milked. A4 had a modular design, central unit containing a vacuum and cleaning system for maximum of two milking units. 
In addition, there are 3D cameras and electronic brushes. By 2018, we are on the Astronaut A5. Now, if you're more of a parlor-type person, the unveiling of the world's first commercial on-farm robotic milking rotary parlor uh, occurred in 2010 in Sweden. Uh, the one exception was the fault of the... <clears throat> or there was D. Lavelle's robotic milking researchers showcased an automatic milking rotary for international journalists at a 415-cow dairy that had, was testing the technology since 2010. The five robot arms in the parlor, two to clean, two to attach, and one to post-dip, milk 390 of the dairy's cows in a 24-stall rotary parlor. So I thought it was interesting in that article that not only did they only milk 390, but then the rest had to be like manually milked in the parlor, or, well, not manually. I don't think they were stripping teats with their hands, but... yeah. Why? Yeah, why three ninety was the magic number? Like what happened to the other twenty five cows. I, I probably wouldn't be milking twenty five. I, I think I'd be. I'm, my barn would be going down to three hundred. Sh- right, yeah, <laughs> dry up those twenty five, and we got to hand milk these twenty five cows, there, son. Let's go. They got they got old units and a dump a, a dump I, station going. <laughs> it, it really is amazing now, like the level of technology where it's laser guided. They're, you know, all these trackings and different metrics they can gauge on the on the cows it's it's quite amazing i do have a farm around here that he was buying just the reject robot like oh cows sure. from yep. a neighbor that like, ones that wouldn't learn the yeah. robot can he's like oh i can milk them so he was just and it was like he was basically like selling his calves and then he was just not grazing heifers and buying the reject robot ones buying replacements, it sure. was working great for him i don't know if he's still doing that but yeah i mean it, obviously there's certain ones that just aren't yeah, like the, the crazy about the, that just aren't going to work, but it, it can do a lot of them. One of my farms did uh, add robots to their farm two or three years ago, and they asked people to help get going and pushing and stuff like that the first couple of days. So I helped for a couple hours, and it was the old cows we couldn't get in. Like sure, the heifers, just, you think you know? You always think about when we milked; it was like these wild oh, heifers. The heifers are oh worse. my gosh, they're wild, yeah. right? They jumped right in, and they were fine with the robot because. They probably didn't know any better. Well, they right? grew up with it. You can't teach an old dog new tricks. <laughs> yeah. it was, they grew it was up with like, the technology. It was like the third, fourth. Yeah, they did. <laughs> well, they, on they, these, we the, couldn't get them in. Like, it took like six guys to push these cows just in the gates to go to the robot, these older cows. It was crazy. And these newer ones, too, what, what blows me away is, but it makes sense with the level of technology, they can sort your cows for you now. Yeah. Like you milk, you sit, when they come in to milk, it's like, okay, this one needs to be heard or checked or whatever. The, like the sorting part it can it. just sure. guide them into the right pen. The next one will go out. I still say the technology and the milking barn part is unbelievable. We don't realize that. Like when they put these robots in the first barns, it was just like, oh, yeah, chuck it in a stall, stanchion barn, and in a freestall. Now the, the technology is like the robots have gotten way better, but the design of the barn is so much. They like they know how to design them now to do what you right. said, sort them and to get you know get cows to want to go in them easier. And well, even it, like we get weights and we know heat heat cycles and yes, the information. Comes all the information. Off it's probably that robot. probably really overwhelming actually. Yeah. And like I think almost too much info. You were talking about the the robot rejects. I think those numbers are down it's, too. It's down. Like I, the first, the early adopters, they you know they had, and I don't know if these are the right numbers, were twenty percent rejects, and now we're down to 
well, let's five. let's be real too. It's probably in genetics of that cow too. Is once you got rid of those rejects, well, you don't have teat placement that's at a ninety degree angle on some of these new ones because you got rid of that that kind of line. Even of, even that doesn't matter as much anymore. No, though. it can do no. pretty much. Yeah, it, it's it, just it's a you well, know and that yeah. I watched probably six months ago. I watched a robot and had, they they brought a difficult cow in. Yeah, with super like lopsided, like just you know, you you guys all know the bag we're talking about that just is a mess. And the you see the you see it come out and it tries to hook up and it misses. It tries to hook up and it misses. And then the third time, you just everything just kind of shifts two inches this way and whatever, <laughs> right it. on. And you're like, that's great. Like, there's kids, you know, there's guys milking in parlors that can't hook it up that easy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's it's pretty impressive. Well, and just think about. When you would milk, and you'd look at the sock at the end of the milking, like because you dropped a unit or got kicked off, and it's sucking up sand or straw or whatever, and uh, or you don't even make it through a milking because you had to change the sock out because I was plugged and ass chewed because you forgot to put the sock in in the first place. Compared to this now, where it's like a you know yeah, I could still get some shit on it and stuff, but you just don't have those issues. It's the little things that we don't think about. Like, obviously, it solves the big labor issue for yeah. for the most part. But yeah. you know, all the little things that even though you do have to sometimes three in the morning go check on a robot that make make it worthwhile. But that's that gets sent to your phone, and it's not a huge deal. It's not somebody coming flying out of the parlor screaming that right. something's. It's like a like a getting an email alert on your phone. You know, it's nice. It's a lot nicer. Or three in the morning text message that the night milker didn't show up. Yeah, yeah, you don't get those. Those don't happen. But one of my favorite sayings, and I don't remember who said it. I just remember watching the video of was I've never had to pull a drunk robot out of the ditch. <laughs> <laughs> and it's true. I mean, your robot's not going to go on a tear. Uh, with, with the self-driving cars, that might happen with the Tesla ones driving themselves. But yeah, those are a different type of robot. <laughs> yeah. This different class of robot. Let's 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 be clear. All right, thanks, Matt, and thank you to all our listeners out there. We appreciate you. All we ask is you tell a farmer friend about our podcast. And as we talked before, they're going to go, "What? What the heck is a podcast?" And it's it's just radio on their phone. They all have smartphones now, so you might as well use the smart part instead of just checking the weather all the time. How about you listen to some podcasts, especially this spring? I know it's been cold, but sooner or later it's going to warm up and you're going to be sitting in that planner and why not listen to us while you're in there? So tell them to go on their iPhone, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe. You can search Tilth Talk Radio. And on an Android phone or other phone, basically you can search apps like Podcast Addict, Podbean, and Player FM, and there you'll find Tilth Talk Radio as well. Another easy way is just on your computer or smartphone browser, you can go to tilthegg.com slash podcasts and listen to us there. We're also available now on Amazon Music. So if you go to Amazon Music and you like us there or subscribe to us there, you can play us on your Alexa or smart speaker. And to find out what's happening, if you want to talk about like our latest draft talk and tell farmers about, hey, yeah, I mean, the NFL draft's like three days long. Are you really going to listen to all of it? You know, by the seventh round, those picks really don't matter. So why not listen to the TTR draft from a couple weeks ago? And you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Tilt Talk Radio. 
All right. Thanks, Ed. Now we'll wrap things up with some cool beans. That's corny and current events. So cool beans. Cool beans. Cool beans. Cool beans. Cool beans. Our cool beans this week. UW River Falls Egg Day on Campus returns for its 10-year anniversary. So hundreds of students at the University of Wisconsin River Falls had the opportunity to celebrate agriculture during the Ag Day on Campus hosted by the university's Collegiate Farm Bureau. After COVID-19 prompted the cancellation of the popular event in 2020 and reduced it to a modified format in 2021, organizers were pleased to return to the traditional schedule to help educate campus community using face-to-face interactions with speakers, agribusiness representatives, and more. So, great that they could get out and do it how they wanted for the 10-year anniversary. And it's great that they're educating other students, because even though it is River Falls and it's Muyu, there probably are some, some kids there that aren't entirely familiar with agriculture. So We just had this discussion last week, didn't we, about... Fit, fits real nice here, Bill. Yay. All right. And our That's Corny this week... Majority of farmers applying to USDA conservation programs are unfortunately being rejected. So many farmers who apply for federal funding to assist in implementing voluntary conservation practices, such as soil health improvements or pollinator strips, are being rejected by local offices uh, because of limited budgets, and sometimes you're seeing the Miss the funds being misdirected to large polluting operations where thousands of farmers are being turned away from contracts that could help pay for conservation improvements and help the bottom line. So reports look at the EQIP program or the Environmental Quality Incentives Program and the Conservation Stewardship Program, CSP, two of the largest, most popular conservation programs available from USDA. So... Through research, they found only 42% of CSP and 31% of EQIP applicants were awarded contracts between 2010 and 2020. Unfortunately, there's not enough money to go around, partially because conservation programs are being defunded through the Farm Bill, but also a lot of other factors that come into those calculations. So, The cool beans in this story, though, is that farmers want to do it. Like right, farmers are adopting want to adopt practices, and they're interested in it. So that's pretty cool beans. So hopefully, we'll be able to get more money in those programs and get more conservation practices going on farms. Or if nothing else, farms will find a way to fund it themselves, which a lot of them do anyway. All right, that'll do it for this week. Thanks for being here, guys. Thanks for having us, Matt. So this week we talked about commodities and where those products go once they leave the farm. In our spotlight, we looked at some new robotic technology for pest management. Ag History Minute, we talked about robotic milkers. And in our cool beans, we had the UW-River Falls Ag Day on Campus return. That's corny, was the majority of farmers applying to USDA conservation programs being rejected. So thanks for listening, and as always, happy farming.